start spreading your legs. Because <laughs> we're going to New York, baby. <laughs> it's so funny because you sing that in the commentary, too. It's the only thing I can think of when I was in that era, when New York came up. And I think I sang it when we played Monopoly. When I landed on New York, which is, by the way, is the best property to buy in Monopoly. Yeah, well, that was my next thing, is that certain things like that so remind me of when we played Monopoly. So definitely singing that New York song, but singing it in that way. Start spreading your legs instead of start spreading the news. And then um, Tennessee. Oh, yeah. Tennessee. We had like weird sing-songy things for like every property. Yeah. I'm trying to remember some of the other ones too, but those are two of them that pop in my head right off the bat. I have a love-hate relationship with this episode. I was just about to ask you, Bridget, tell us what we're about to watch. I hate this episode. It's my least favorite of the whole season. Really? Yeah, if I could delete an episode from this season, I'd either do you a solid and delete episode two, or I'd delete New York. <laughs> See, I don't hate it, hate it, but I um, there are parts that I hate about it and mm-hmm. parts that I don't like reliving on it. Yeah. The view. <clears throat> Not to skip ahead. <laughs> like, I, I love all the tra- travel and I love all the sightseeing and I love a lot of the people that were in it but there's a lot of things I hate about it and a lot of things I don't like reliving yeah I know what you mean so this episode in case y'all are wondering is season one episode 12 it's called I'll take Manhattan or we'll take Manhattan I'll take Manhattan oh singular even though there's four of us damn (laughs) so I'll take Manhattan I guess that refers to Hef And it originally aired on November 13th, 2005. And same as our last episode, the top movie at the time was Chicken Little, which everybody's chiming in the comments and saying, I should give a chance to Chicken Little and watch that movie. Okay. Because I guess it's good. And the number one song was Gold Digger because they're celebrating us. (laughs) (laughs) But before we get to New York, and the whole reason we go to New York, by the way, is because our Playboy issue is out and Hef wants to give it a push by going to New York and doing the press for it and everything. And it also gives us something to cover on the show. So that's exciting. But before we leave, there was a movie night. I guess we left on, must have left on a Sunday night. And there was a movie night at the mansion and somebody invited Mike Tyson. Yeah. The legendary boxer. Yeah. He was very nice. Yeah, he was really nice. Um, and it was weird that he was there and, and somebody came and was like, Bridget, Bridget, you have to go get a picture of Mike Tyson. So I was like, oh, <laughs> I was sort of nervous to do that. I was like, I really don't need that. But they're like, no, 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 just come on. He's so nice. So I went in the med room where he was sitting for dinner and I took a picture with him. But later that night, obviously, we go into movie. Uh-huh. And then we're watching the movie. And all of a sudden, this loud snoring oh, no. starts happening. And everybody's like looking around like, who the fuck is snoring? And it was Mike Tyson totally asleep in the second row right behind Hef. And nobody wanted to wake him up. Everybody was too scared. Everybody was scared. That was the funny part to me. It's like everybody was scared to like wake up Mike Tyson. Yeah. <laughs> But isn't it, what I wanted to say about this too, isn't it, isn't it funny how um, we're leaving for New York mm-hmm. and we have this huge trip planned, lots of press and everything, and we are uh, still, we have cannot miss a buffet dinner, a movie. 
Yeah, he can't miss a buffet dinner and movie, and he makes a point, as we'll illustrate later in this episode and even the next episode, which is Chicago, he can't be away from the house a moment longer than he needs to. That means you don't get any relaxing night's sleep in these five-star hotels. (laughs) It's just like you are on the plane at the last minute. You're jumping on the plane, getting out of there at the first second. And I'm curious, back to the mic, circling back to Mike Tyson, I'm wondering what movie it was that put him to sleep like that and I know it probably says on the back of my photos from that night because sometimes they'll label the photos that Hef would share with us they would label on the back they'd say what movie it is but I didn't want to like pry them out of my scrapbook so I didn't see but I'm like I wonder what that snooze fest was oh that's interesting I think I can look I think mine's loose in there okay it wasn't chicken little because I've never seen it (laughs) (laughs) it's funny too because in the in the commentary you say that um well actually in the previous episode's commentary you say oh the next episode is New York and it's the bomb but then in the commentary for New York when you're like I have no idea why I said that because I still don't know why I said that I'm confused I think that I think that you were looking at the positive stuff of it like I I I was just excited to travel you're right yeah so it opens up with us packing. It starts with me packing stuff in the vanity. And I have, I, sh- I shut the vanity door and I have like my whiteboard where I would write where I was going. And I noticed there's these two little drawings on the outside of my door. And those were portraits of me by Hef's kids. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Aww. It's so funny. One of them, I'm sitting in a chair and I'm wearing like this dress with like a old school Minnie Mouse hat with like a flower in it. It's very old lady chic. I love yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> Cute. And I'm scrambling around trying to pack, but we are leaving late at night on Sunday night, arriving early on Monday morning. And one thing that you, Kendra, and I all had in common is we love to travel and we wanted to see all the things and do all the activities. Like we were willing to like get up at the butt crack of dawn and schedule all the stuff. So I was getting ready to go on the plane and maybe nap a little bit, but I'm also like starting with a clean face because I know I'm going to like put on a full face before we actually land. Mm -hmm. And the pictures of me in the great hall before we leave are me in like these satin pajamas and high heels. Yeah, (laughs) it's just so weird. The whole thing is so weird. I'm like, so? (laughs) You know what? I was thinking, and sorry if this is out of order, you guys, but I was just thinking back to like why why we have fond, well, I know you said you do hate this episode, Uh but like why we have some fond memories of it and why I looked back on it and thought of it. And I was thinking that I feel like I always put like the negative behind and like I forget about it and I just remember like the positives. Well, it's the only way you can survive sometimes. And I feel like a lot, a lot of that time, like when I'm watching back, like I, that episode two, I put all of that out of my head. Like I've totally Mm -hmm. forgot about that till we had to rewatch it. Well, it's probably healthier. And for me, like after I left the mansion, there were years when I was just trying to compartmentalize everything I'd gone through as a net positive. Not to say that there weren't positives that came out of it. Obviously there were, but there were times when I just, you know, I needed to hit the ground running and start a new career. I was in survival mode and I just kind of tied everything up in a pretty little bow. And I'm like, yeah, everything's great. Hef's great. Cool. But then looking back, I was like, oh, wait a minute. (laughs) What was actually happening? (laughs) Yeah. I just feel like it's in a lot of these things that I I just kind of, not that I didn't remember that the view wasn't something that I enjoyed, but that I kind of thought, oh, the New York episode. Oh, that'll be fun. Mm -hmm. All the, you know, sightseeing and the traveling and stuff. And I just kind of, I think I just put it behind me and only look at the good. Yeah. But anyway, then it cuts to my interview and I'm in the game house and I bring that up because I'm bouncing all over the place and in interviews still. 
in my interview in the game house, I said that we're going to do a lot of press and we're doing the view. So I'm talking about it right off the yeah. bat. And the reason I'm talking about it right off the bat, and this is going to come up a little bit later, but they call and do what's called pre-interviews with you before you go and do these shows. And they have like a producer that talks to you and they ask you all kinds of questions to kind of get a feel for the direction of the interview and what it's going to be like. And this producer was asking like really forward, really rude, like really personal questions about our sex life and things like that and I know I I know I get it we're in a weird relationship and stuff like that but this is this is a a morning daytime show yeah and there's so much more going on than just what's happening in the bedroom and so I already had a really bad vibe and Kendra also got a really bad vibe about this and we'll get into more of it later but that's why I'm saying we have a lot of press to do and we're doing the view so there's no way to prepare for a trip to New York with our schedules the way it's going to be and then it shows me like packing and um, I'm going to bring this up because I know people have asked about it before but I have vintage pink Samsonite luggage. I was going to ask you about that. I have that in my notes. I'm like where'd you get that luggage? It's so interesting. It's very 60s flight attendant. Yeah. (laughs) I loved it but it's not very practical because it doesn't have wheels or anything like that. You actually have to carry it old school style. And then when your luggage is cute you worry about it being ruined. These were tough. These were hard plastic. I used to have this fantasy of white luggage because I'd seen this movie when I was a kid and it was a movie made in the 60s about Jean Harlow and there's this scene where she like rolls up to the train station and she's sitting on, she has this white like head to toe outfit and she's sitting on like all these white trunks just like this pile of luggage and I always thought that would be so cool but of course that's like the most impractical thing in the world because they would get dirty and scraped and nasty being thrown around and these days my luggage situation is very like all over the place like it's either Louis Vuitton or something really cheap I got at a Disney resort yeah there's nothing in between (laughs) yeah I struggle finding cute luggage because I want cute luggage And I don't like using just regular everyday stuff, but sometimes you have to because the cute stuff isn't as well made typically and it goes away. It like it doesn't last as long, you know, the other iconic luggage movie scene is the Scooby Doo where Sarah Michelle Gellar is Daphne and she rolls up and she has these trunks that are purple and it's like the Louis Vuitton print, but it's like D for Daphne. (laughs) So cute. (laughs) Like that's my fantasy is having like a luggage set that's like that iconic. Oh, I wanted to do my own luggage line. I would have cute stuff, you guys. I already have like a million ideas for it. Anyway, they show a shot of Gizmo while I'm packing and she looks so good. And I say that I'm trying to pack way ahead of time so I don't get stressed out. And I'm having to sit on my suitcase to shut it. It's like mm-hmm. one of those old school ones where you literally have to sit on it to get it shut. And I noticed my foot is wrapped and I wanted to talk about this too because I was having such problems with my foot. You guys, my arches were like dropping or something like that. Like my foot arches. It was so painful, whatever it was. Like I went and saw a foot doctor and there's just like nothing they can do was so 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 painful and it takes like a couple of years for it to like stop hurting yeah and then Kendra says she's so excited to go to New York because she's never been there and it shows Kendra's dirty room and it did you see what it pans past on her bed no what is it there was a confederate flag t-shirt oh 
that shirt comes up in a later episode and I never knew it was in this episode and I didn't even like notice it again when I was rewatching this time because I'd forgotten about it until you said it just now but it has been pointed out to me on social media because when I was doing my reviews for YouTube people would chime in in the comments and be like is this a confederate flag shirt on her bed yeah so that that comes up later because it's in another episode but they blur it out and it's like a whole fiasco oh they do yeah, but you can see it on Tubi because I saw it when I was doing my YouTube rewatch. The next scene is uh, Chef Lori and she's making ham sandwiches. And there was a couple of things that I wanted to point out about this. I know it seems like such a trivial scene, mm-hmm. but number one is she's making them on Wonder Bread, which I think is so weird. And then she's cutting off the edge of the lettuce so it doesn't stick out past the bread. Yeah, all the little details. I'm just like, what? And then right as she's doing that, it has your voiceover coming in and saying, Holly says Hef is a little high maintenance when it comes to travel. He has to take a private jet. The staff has to stock it with all kinds of snacks and food he might want. And then they cut to show they cut to Brian Olea prepping. And you can see this storage room, which you don't get to see very often on the show. But the storage area was like right near, um, it's kind of like where the arch was, like where we parked our cars. There was like a scrapbooking room. And then there was this like room that had a lock on it that was all the extra like waters and Pepsis and and alcohol and like just extra everything. Can I just say as a doomsday prepper, this is like a turn on for me. <laughs> like I am in no way hoping for or trying to manifest the end of the world, which I think some people are. Like there was a while on my TikTok feed where I was getting all these like psychics predicting this earthquake that's going to make California fall off. Into the- I'm aware that that could happen at any day. A meteor could hit us. Anything could take us out. But sometimes people talk about this shit and I feel like they have like a wistfulness in their voice and I'm like dude how much do you fucking hate your life that you want this whole planet taken out calm down but I do love being stocked for an emergency so I'm very turned on by this closet I love it too even when you like uh, we have like extras at our house of everything Mm -hmm. like I like to have extra stuff around just in case but I think that that comes with living in California when we always have the threat of an earthquake earthquake. yeah absolutely where everything could go down. But a fun fact I want to tell you guys about this room, too, is that it usually remained locked. But every once in a while, if they were going going in and out or they were planning a party or whatever, they would um, keep it open. Well, one of the guests decided... And this was like an older male friend of Hef's who had been coming there for so many things. Manly night, buffet movie every night. Like like one of the top priority guests in that respect. Super tight with Hef. He decided to roll up his car next to this door one night and start loading up his trunk with Playboy Waters and Playboy Pepsis. And he got caught. I don't know how he got caught. I don't know either. I heard the person I heard the story from because it happened after we left the mansion, heard it from Mary. So reliable source. Yeah. But I would think there's cameras everywhere outside the mansion. Security was probably like, who the fuck is that? Yeah. (laughs) This ain't a drive-thru, bro. Did you ever hear the alleged Jack Nicholson story? What? Well, you know how Hef's pride is like having this kitchen where his guests can order anything they want. As long as it's in stock. Yeah. Like he's not going to send somebody out to the grocery store. So allegedly in the 70s, Jack Nicholson was a regular and he would do this thing where he would call the mansion kitchen ahead of time and say, I want this, this and this. He'd drive his car up pick up the food, put it in a bag, and drive away. 
Like he treated it like his own personal drive-thru. So then Hef made a rule that nobody can take takeaway food. Like it has to be eaten there. Whoa. Because I saw people ask for leftovers. Like certain celebrities and stuff were like, like one time I felt kind of bad. This this was before I was a girlfriend. I was just a random fun in the sun and we would eat dinner outside on fun in the sun. And Polly Shore went up to Hef and goes, hey, this is really good food. Do you mind if I take a plate home for my mom? And it was kind of like cute the way he said it. And Polly Shore's mom, if you guys don't know, she's like this legendary woman who like runs the comedy store. She's like a fixture in Hollywood and like in the comedy industry. And Hef like laughed and was like, no. And it it was kind of, Polly looked kind of sad. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I feel like that is something legitimate. But was it you telling me or did I read it somewhere else where there was a, um, there was a girl that came up to like the buffet dinner movie night one time and was like loading up her purse with like food and brought her own Tupperware and was like taking stuff home I didn't hear that now I'm second guessing but no I'm (laughs) I'm positive I read this somewhere and I forget who though or where I read it though I heard a story too that a couple of Hef's girlfriends who were there before us would go down to the kitchen allegedly and order all this food and like put it in Tupperware and take it back to their boyfriends and that was one of the reasons they got kicked out wow yeah, so I just feel like, I mean, I it, I think Polly Shore was probably legit, and it just sucks that everybody else ruins it for, you know, somebody who legitimately just wants I to, know. like, take a meal back to their mom, who probably is too busy to make her own dinner or, yeah. or something, you know, or <laughs> whatever. Um, or maybe wasn't feeling well or something, you know. I'm sure there was a reason. Mm-hmm. But did you see Hef's super cute drink kit that they made? Yeah, that is a cute little picnic basket with, like, the Jack Daniels and stuff. And also, I think it's cute when Brian's packing the cooler and he can't fit that last thing in and he goes oh man I know <laughs> it was filled with Eskimo pies which they're not called Eskimo pies anymore they're now called Edie's pies but it surprised me that something that needs to be that frozen we were able to like take on the plane and really keep cool because it doesn't look like there's a lot of room for ice in that cooler either I was thinking that too and then you said you make a statement that they're sugar-free, so it's extra score. And I'm thinking, wait, why are they sugar-free, though? Like, why are we bringing ice cream on the plane, and why is it sugar-free? <laughs> I I mean, I can sugar-free because we're all trying to be so skinny up there but I when are we when were we eating ice cream I never and ate then, ice like, cream your coffee creamer is in this which does not need to be frozen is in the same cooler as the stuff that needs to stay frozen or melt and make a huge mess it's weird and did you see how many coffee creamers they're packing yes like I was like I only need one we're not gonna be gone that long <laughs> it almost makes me wonder if that particular cooler was just like the camera crew saying Brian can you just pack one really quick and then like you can repack it when we're gone just like pack this one because yeah. it makes no sense to me <laughs> yeah and then they have all of his stuff down on the garment rack in the great hall and did you see the list yes! go! oh my god i have notes i have guys, notes okay so it notes. closes up and they the cameramen come on they had to do this on purpose so the guy who's packing up all half suits is guy. holding a checklist <laughs> yeah his name's literally guy is holding a checklist and it says hmh toys bag yes that's the type of toys you're thinking of yeah and I was gonna ask you Bridget were we expected to go into the bedroom during this trip I don't remember that but I also kind of block that shit out of my mind sometimes but when would we have had time we were literally there one night and then off to Chicago like two packed days and one night 
But we did go out to nightclubs both nights. Like, did he expect us to go back to the bedroom with him? I don't remember. I think so, but it might have been more wishful thinking because yeah. I don't recall any bedroom activity on this trip. Yeah, but I know people have asked this before. Like, ordinarily, when he takes trips with his girlfriends, he would expect the whole bedroom thing to happen after a night out at a club, and he would, like, pack all that stuff. But... In the Girls Next Door era, we were just all so busy with the show and he was so preoccupied with the show and he was getting his ego fed off the show that the bedroom thing just kind of stopped. Yeah. And it might have stopped right around this time. Yeah. Yeah, well, I have the list of what he had to bring. Houndstooth jacket, red shirt, (laughs) and Calvin Klein jeans with a black dress belt. HMH toiletries. HMH toy bag in the dressing area. (laughs) Hanging bag number four in the cabin. Blue flannel pajamas, silk brocade robe, dress socks, and slippers. And he has five identical Armani suits, and they're all numbered so that they know which goes to which. Interesting. I thought it was really interesting, too. But yeah, when I saw the toy kit, I was like oh my god so embarrassing very so embarrassing very so then it cuts to my bedroom and i'm in an interview behind the game house this time oh popping popping around (laughs) and um all the sound effects here are fake they have me trying to get gizmo out of her tree and she's like screaming and those are not real in the scene and they show wednesday they make it look like she's still there but first of all it's a really little picture of her like a baby picture Mm -hmm. and she's more grown at this time but she actually wasn't there because I drove her to my parents' house. Like we meet, ha- we would meet halfway if we were going to be gone for overnight or more. And my parents would watch her like grand, like they looked at her as like their grandkids. So <laughs> I would take Gizmo too if it were longer trips. But for the shorter trips, I would just take Wednesday. In this scene, though, we each are talking about like our pets and how much they mean to us and how bad we feel for leaving mm-hmm. them and stuff. Like even though it's only going to be like a couple of nights, I felt bad for leaving Gizmo. And you're talking about how bad you feel about leaving your dogs yeah and harlow's on the bench with me and harlow like you know how you kind of have like a personality for your pets in your head to me harlow is like the wisest of all the dogs i've had she's like the mary o'connor of dogs (laughs) she was never afraid to tell anyone off like she harlow in my mind has mary's personality oh i'm also sewing an outfit like finishing my new york outfit like the morning of yeah i was gonna ask about that too that's my next thing actually it says um holly's working on her outfit is that her new york outfit so yes it was yeah it was this dress which i think was supposed to be a swimsuit cover-up because it was kind of sheer Mm -hmm. and it was like this special edition like playboy dress i still have it but like you could see nipples through it so i'm sewing like these swarovski crystal like ribbon things over where the nipples would be (laughs) but I just think it's funny because they always get like a contrast of each of us like at the beginning they were talking about how each of us felt about traveling Mm -hmm. like me you and Kendra and got our opinions and now they're getting each of our opinions about how we feel about leaving our pets and you're like oh you know I hate leaving them I feel bad for them I'm like oh I miss them I take Mm -hmm. my dog to see my mom well they don't tell me that but in real life I take my dog to see my mom I'm gonna miss my cat still happens that I miss them every time I leave and then um, they, they cut to Kendra and she's like I need a break from these dogs oh my god I I can see that they're kind of rambunctious yeah and they cut back to me and I finally pull Gizmo out of her tree and she clearly does not want any love and if any of you have cats but especially Persians they will tell you when they want pets oh that's cute and if they don't want it they don't want it and that's just the end of story I'm a cat 
So Bryant comes up into Kendra's room and he tells her that Joe wants her luggage. We all got these like itineraries ahead of time, you guys. In fact, I think we can put a picture in the Patreon. um, Oh yeah, we already have them uploaded. (laughs) And I think in those itineraries it says, if not, we got a different itinerary and it tells us exactly what time our bags need to be outside our doors because we had to pack up ahead of time and leave everything outside our door because while we're doing buffet dinner and a movie, security and butlers are loading up vans and taking all our our stuff to preload the plane because Hef cannot sit around while a plane is being and wait loaded. For luggage, yeah. And then she says, "I can only have two carry-ons, assholes." And that seems so weird to me because that's how it is on a normal plane. You can only have two carry-ons. Like, why is that weird? I know. I think because maybe she thought it was a private jet, she could bring on as much as she wanted. Oh. I don't know. And I feel like again they're talking to us about flying private, and they're doing the contrast thing again, where we each have a different take. Like you're getting on the plane and talking about how amazing it is. You're super grateful. It's like a spa. Kendra's like, I don't like flying, but this makes me feel like a pimp. And then I'm kind of saying. You know, Hef only flies private because he can. And I'm just really comfortable up in the air. And I think they're trying to play it off like I'm not necessarily taking for granted that we fly private, but like, oh, this is just what I do. Yeah. But the reason I'm saying I feel so comfortable in the air is I remember them asking me this. They weren't asking about like how I felt about flying private. They were asking me how I felt about just flying in general. And was I afraid to fly? Because obviously some people are very afraid of flying. Some people are kind of nonchalant. I'm very much not afraid of flying. I grew up flying all the time. And we would even fly, and I say this in commentary, which is foreshadowing to our Alaska episode in season four, about how when I was a kid, we used to fly on these tiny water planes all the time in Alaska, and they were so rough and so crazy. So I've kind of been through it with flying. I'm just not afraid of it. So that was where that was coming from. But I feel like they try and play it off like in a snobby way, like... Oh, I just, I feel so at home. Yeah. Meanwhile, for you, it's like more of a novelty you're grateful for. And then Kendra's like, pimp. Yeah. Like it's very much trying to make us all different, which is fine for the show. That's cute. Well, that Alaska thing, wait till we get to that. That was scary. Yes, 100%. But we're in the car on the way to the airport and Hef says that he feels like he's forgotten something. And I always feel that way every trip. Mm-hmm. I don't care if I've packed for like three weeks and I'm going to be gone for three days. Yeah. I still feel like, what am I forgetting? Like every single time. But then all of a sudden he gets all sappy and he grabs our arms and he's like, but he knows that he has what really matters. And then your line is so funny. Yeah, and then I say, oh, your briefcase? Because you guys, and everybody laughs. But Uh the reason I said that is because his briefcase, like every time we traveled anywhere, this briefcase was like glued to his hand. And if he didn't have it in his hand, the head of security had to have it in his hand. And he would always be like, Joe, where's my briefcase? I got it right here, boss. Okay. Like it was always like had to be like within eyesight of him or like in his hand himself. And I don't know what was all in there, but... But like, I mean, he's popped it open before. It didn't look like anything. It looked like his notes, like a lined, like lined paper and a pen and like just it was nothing special. And always his backgammon game. Yeah, I feel like the briefcase thing could go one of two ways. My first thought when you were saying that was like, damn, what was in there? Like, what kind of illicit shit did he have in there? But also, he was just so like finicky and snappy about things like that, that it could have just been dumb shit. Joe, where's my briefcase? You know what I mean? Yeah, but he always had it when we traveled, and it was always like like glued to him, and he was always very worried about where it was. But like I said, I've seen what was in it, and it, yeah. I mean, there was just work stuff related in there. And Do you think there was like pills or something, like tucked in the lining or something? Oh, maybe, like his back pills or something, or... Quaaludes or whatever. 
yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I never thought of that. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting that we were leaving out of LAX because for some reason I just thought we left out of Van Nuys, but we drove all the way to LAX for that. In real life or just for the show? Well, it shows us getting going to LAX. I don't I know. I do remember leaving out of LAX at some point, but Me I feel too. like that was for like Europe or something. I thought so too. Because I feel like mostly we left out of Van Nuys. Yeah. Well, it shows us going under the LAX signs and stuff like that. So unless they did B-roll, B-roll that wasn't yeah. what, where we were going. <laughs> and then I thought it would be interesting if we told people what private jet check-in is like as opposed to like a real airline because I feel like a lot of people might not have experienced that you just roll up and it's like a really nice like lobby like it's not even like a lobby it looks like a living room and it has snacks sitting out and like fancy coffees you can make and like a big fireplace and it's just like really nice and like yeah cozy it's like somebody's living room like a mansion living room type Mm -hmm. thing and then they just like they just like you just sit there and then they they check your ID and then you just walk onto the plane with like well for in this case they actually put us in a in a golf car and they drove us out to the plane and then you just like walk on and like I said all our stuff was pre-packed so once we were on and in we were ready to go and easy peasy yeah it's just like a really different experience like there's no there's no real there's no security there's Mm -hmm. no um that's the best part about it I think is just skipping the security yeah there's it's only you in this private lounge area every once in a while there'll be somebody else who's just like about ready to leave but like Mm -hmm. there's never like a crowd or anything it's like you have private bathrooms that are really nice and the bathrooms have like everything you could possibly need in them and like they're just it's just like a whole other a whole other world do you think private planes are less safe than regular planes um because I know there's I've known a couple people who like have the means to fly private and won't because they're convinced it's like less safe. I mean, I don't know. I don't think so, but I, I really don't know the statistics on that. I feel like when a private plane crashes, sometimes it can be more high profile because of who's on it. So yeah. that kind of sticks in the collective memory a little bit more. Have you ever heard the legend of the in and out family? No. I don't even know if this is true, guys. I'm not fact checking as I'm talking here. But supposedly, like, this whole family was on a private plane, and they were the family that owned in and out and it crashed, and everybody died. So then, like, a third cousin or somebody random ended up inheriting the whole in and out empire. Oh, that's so weird, because I thought it was the daughter that owns it right now. Like, daughter of somebody. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Huh, I wonder if that's true or I not. I have no idea. I'll pop in in the edit and tell you if it's true or not. Because I thought it was like somebody that's relatively young too, like a blonde woman. I think I think it's because everybody it. else got killed off. Interesting. You know what? You know what? I will add to that though, mm-hmm. and because I don't remember what trip it's on, it could be um, it could have been our Florida trip or it could have been this trip. But we were asleep in the middle of the night flying, and all of a sudden there was this like boom, and the whole plane like dropped. And I like, do you remember this? It was me fucking in the back. <laughs> I knew it. No, it, I'm joking. But I remember that trip. It was when we were going to Disney World. And That's it was just turbulent as fuck. No, this was different. It was all peaceful, eat, quiet, nothing. We were all asleep. Everybody was asleep. This oh, wait. Boom. I mean, the loudest boom. And like a drop. And I laid there for a second thinking, are we dead? Like... <gasps> 
I was like, my heart was racing. And like, when I realized that we're not crashing at the moment, but what the fuck was that? I took off my seatbelt because there are seatbelts in bed (laughs) that you wear, by the (laughs) way. I know that's weird, but anyway. And I got up and I walked out into like the living room area and there was nobody out there. Nobody else got up. I was like, what is happening right now? And did I just dream this or what happened? And then finally a flight attendant walked out and she's like, oh, is everything okay? Can I help you? And I was like, what was that noise? And she was like, oh, did that wake you? I'm so sorry. We hit another plane's wake. So like if another plane I goes I thought you were going to say we hit another plane. I was like, what the fuck? No, the wake of another plane. And I've heard since then that that is so dangerous and it can knock a plane right out of the air when you hit another another wake. It was like a military jet. We hit their wake. Holy fuck. A, how did I sleep through that? Because I don't remember it. And that's crazy. It's one of the scariest things that I remember when in our flying experiences. But do you remember another thing since we're talking uh-huh. about all this stuff? And I don't know if this is going to be on the show later. I feel like it already happened, but maybe not. But do you remember we were going to go somewhere? We were on a smaller plane, I think. And I think we were just maybe going to Vegas I feel like we were going somewhere shorter Mm -hmm. and we are barreling down the runway like I don't know however many hundred miles an hour they go to take off and all of a sudden I saw smoke and I could smell smoke coming out of like the electronics there was like the the tv (laughs) god and the radio stuff and I was like there's smoke Joe there's smoke there's smoke I smell smoke there's smoke I could see smoke coming out and so Joe jump takes the seatbelt off and goes running down tells the pilot there's smoke there's smoke there's smoke we had to abandon abort 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 the takeoff and remember we like went off into the like grassy area to get off of the runway and they came out with they came running out with a fire extinguisher and ripping all the electronics out of the wall and spraying it down I'm tripping because I don't remember this, but I know why. It's because I'm like dissociating half the time, but that's crazy. And nobody's going to want to charter after listening to this episode. <laughs> so those are two things like you ask it, like if it's more dangerous and my my gut is it's probably not. But those are two things that terrified me. Did we switch planes? And what no. did Hef do? Did he like flip out and be like no. Get this thing in the There wasn't air? a fire. There wasn't an actual fire. There was just, it was just like an electrical shortage in like the entertainment stuff. So it wasn't anything that affected the flight. Oh my God. But imagine it caught fire while we're flying. Oh you know? my God. The other thing I remember about flying, uh-huh. sorry you guys, this is a tangent. We love a tangent. I mean, that's what this podcast is basically. When we went to Florida for Super Bowl and stuff. So they, the pilots were like, if you guys want to come sit in the cockpit, you can. And there's two jump seats like behind the pilots. So Kendra and I were like, yeah. So we're mm-hmm. in there and we're coming down for a landing. It is foggier than shit. Like you can't see anything. And there's an alerter that tells you like how close you're getting to the ground. Mm-hmm kid you not there's you can't even see a light and it's like a thousand feet 900 800 700 and then it starts blinking red it's like 700 feet ground approaching 600 feet 500 feet and we can't see anything Kendra and I were like oh my god oh my god and honestly wait there's, she's that afraid to fly but she's okay sitting in the cockpit I know, I looking was out the window it. at I the fog what and then it was like 
it, it starts getting so scary because it's like 100 feet, 90, 80, 70, and the red lights are going off in the cockpit and you can't see anything. All I see is fog. And it's saying that the ground is like 70 feet away, 60 feet, 50 feet, 40 feet. And I'm just like, oh my God, how is this going to happen? Like we are going fast and we're landing and there's fog and you don't see anything. And then all of a sudden it's like, it, we just land perfectly and I was like Whoa, oh my god and the pilots didn't seem concerned at all but yeah. Kendra and I were like holy shit like I was just like we're dead we're dead we're dead you can't see anything even though like I knew that they're not freaking out so it's probably fine it that was a terrifying experience to see it and witness it and the yeah. red lights going off and the countdown of how far we were from the ground and not being able to see anything I was just like how do these pilots do it it's so scary yeah that's crazy but our plane is a um it's a big one it's a yeah. and it's a I asked Nick because I don't know planes at all and Nick can look in the sky and tell you exactly what plane it is exactly what airline it is and where it's going to or where it just came from like area 51 um yeah, he, knows he was those. the first person who told me what the area 51 planes were the Janet planes yeah yeah it's creepy you guys if you don't know about the area 51 when you're at the Vegas airport, there's these weird planes off to the side and they're white with a red stripe and their call signal is Janet and those planes are going out to Area 51. Yeah. And everybody that works out at Area 51 is like, they're flown in every morning. Mm-hmm. What the fuck is going on out there? <laughs> That's what I want to know. Have you ever like tried to drive up to Area 51? No. Well, it's scary. They have signs everywhere that's like, we can shoot you. Yeah. But we tried to go like as close as we could go. And there's a gas station out there that sells merch. So I have like my Area 51 sweatshirt. And I love it when people ask me, oh, that's a dope sweatshirt. Where'd you get it? And I go, Area 51. Yeah. Like the gift shop, obviously. Yeah. And then they have a brothel right there called the Alien Brothel. That's hilarious. Yes. Oh my God. I love that. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna I already knew what I was gonna call this episode before we recorded it but it's really hard for me not to change that title to alien brothel edition <laughs> um I'm gonna resist so I, I I sent Nick a picture of like our plane on the runway and then like a picture of inside mm-hmm. a little bit and I was like do you know what plane this is because I, I kind of want to write it in for my notes so I can tell people oh we flew on a blah 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 and he's like oh that looks like that's an old ass plane that's an old 7 707 and I was like what we were on an old ass plane he's like yeah a lot of planes are old though commercial and private like I think we'd be surprised at how many planes are old well he tells me like when I every time I book a flight he's like oh what fly, what plane are you on and he'll tell me like oh uh-huh. that's a 25 year old plane and it's a blah 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 or whatever but he's like this used to be what Air Force One was the, 70, the 707 we were on was an Air Force One or that's the same plane they used as an Air Force One at one in time in whose era Nixon like how I old f- was it I feel like Reagan Oh, but I don't know for sure. I don't know for sure. But you remember our favorite plane, right? Which one? The Boeing business jet. Oh, yeah, of course. Every plane, every private plane is like outfitted differently inside. I don't know. It was like that Boeing business jet, which is a little bit smaller. Just the way it was set up. It was so comfy. And there was something very like comfortably social about it. It was homey. And that was the plane where we started the plane walk. Plane walk. Because Joe from security, like when we were taking off and the, the plane was still like at an angle, he was like trudging up the aisle. Like he was like climbing the Matterhorn and we call it the plane. Well, everybody kind of did a weird walk on the plane. And like we were joking about like, watch Mary walk, watch Mary walking by. And she would like have this weird walk when she's walking on the plane. And then we'd watch everybody had it. It wasn't just Mary. It wasn't just Joe that we were picking on. But it's almost like you're walking uphill, even when the plane was like just 
static like going at a, a regular speed and it was just funny and we'd call it plane walking like a zombie like I have pictures of us from that trip where we're like posing like zombies and we're like plane walk yeah it was like a thing totally so then they interview me in bed and it makes it look like I just got in there and went straight to bed <laughs> It does, like a spa bed, yeah. French toast. But I know I didn't because yeah. I'm up later, like walking mm-hmm. around and talking. So it's not like I went straight to bed, but I'm no makeup in my pajamas. And I'm talking about how amazing the plane is and um, having a glass of wine and reading a yeah. book. <laughs> and there were two bedrooms and I think like three bathrooms on that plane. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. And the big ass kitchen, did you, they yeah. saw, show all the people preparing the food and stuff. And then um, they bring me this tray to my bedroom with a with dinner. I was trying to figure out what I was eating. I think it's pizza, but I'm not sure. I thought at some point somebody got French toast. I don't think I got French toast. Maybe I'm tripping, but it looked fucking good, whatever it was. I know, it did. <laughs> is this and then, where we're at the Mile High Club? Yes, yes, it So is. who starts talking about the Mile High Club? I talk about it in my interview. Mary does. And I'm grossed out when I watch myself talk about it in the interview. Not because it comes off weird. Like I'm like, it's when I'm talking about being really comfortable in the air. And I go, I'm even a member of the Mile High Club. Take that or something like that. And then that segues into the scene where Mary's talking about Mile High Club. And it's not like a big deal thing to say. In fact, I feel like it's, if you are a member of the Mile High Club, probably common occurrence. Because I feel like anybody who's going to fuck in the air is going to be the type of person that's going to brag about it. (laughs) But I'm grossed out about it because I recognize this thing in myself that probably I'm the only one seeing. But there was a certain like bravado I had at the time about sexuality in certain situations, but it wasn't always organic. Like sometimes I'm being kind of defensive about it and I can tell that's a time I'm being defensive about it, even though probably nobody else can tell. Mm -hmm. Like I've always had a sense of humor about sex. That's why I would always draw little cartoons on the notepads that coordinated with the title of the movie we would do and I would turn it into an innuendo and stuff like that yeah and one year because we never know what to get half for valentine's day we gave him this thing it was like a plaque that you get at an award shop like one of those wooden plaques with like an engraved gold thing and it was a picture of us it was like me you kendra heff and crystal camden and we were wearing like the playboy flight attendant jet bunny uniforms yeah and the plaque said um mile high club lifetime achievement award and i always thought i still think that's cute and funny like yeah i still think that's funny But for some reason, I don't know, I can tell in this interview when I'm like, I mean, remember the Mile High Club, it's this weird bravado that people get sometimes this isn't an uncommon thing. Like when you've had sexual trauma, you kind of try to like take control of your sexuality by like having more bravado about it than you usually do. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I can sense this is one of those moments and it triggers me. So I'm like, ugh. And it just like, after I watched this episode, it like, this is one of the reasons I hate this episode is it kind of just brought it back. Like how just over the years with all like the sex nights, we just didn't have a choice in like who came into the room. Like people have asked me in the comment section, like, do you think of that relationship with Hef as polyamorous? And I don't define it that way because, and I know all kinds of relationships are different and people cheat and people have drama and issues or whatever. Yeah. But in general, when I think of polyamory, I think of a multiple partner relationship where everybody's kind of in agreement on who's in that relationship. 
And we never had that. Right. It was always like it was whoever Hef wanted to come into the bedroom came into the bedroom. Like it could be somebody we had conflict with. It could be somebody who was kind of a looky-loo and acting like they were kind of participating, but then they're going to go hop on the message boards and talk about what everybody's doing the next day. Like we had no say or protection or anything like that. And as far as like who was in the relationship, like we didn't have a choice. Actually, when it was like the three painted ladies that Hef was interested in came along, we were just so desperate for a change we're like we're gonna try and be nice to whoever the next person is hopefully we can make friends and there's no drama so we did that but I feel like in the moment too I was always trying to convince myself that like we helped pick the new person even though we had absolutely no say right and you know we were trying our best to like be welcoming and get along with that person but we had absolutely no say and it just kind of makes me sad for us looking back and it's just so gross to me all over again. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, I didn't, I definitely did not look into it that much of this scene. I just, my biggest comments on this whole scene were that Mary was saying, you know, oh, if, um, have you, he was talking about the Mile High Club and Kendra doesn't get it. And I thought that was really weird that she didn't know what the Mile High Club was. Yeah, I'm kind of here nor there on it. I feel like it's kind of an, at that point in time, it was kind of an outdated reference. Maybe it's made a comeback. But when I think of Mile High Club, I think of the 70s for some reason. Yeah. I don't know why. And I but I thought it was really weird because I feel like even though Mary was explaining what it was, she still doesn't seem to really get it what it is. Yeah. And I thought that was weird because I felt like I felt like she was trying to not understand if that makes sense. Like she was trying like to not get it, it up for the cameras kind yeah, of. Yeah, maybe. Cuz you do call her out on it in commentary. You're like, "You know what that is. Come on." Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It could be I don't know. I just felt like that Anywhere. whole scene was really weird that she was so like, what the and you what? And huh? I don't get it. Like, and do you think, too, they're like when they show the reaction shots of her, it could be also that they're reusing that reaction shot. Because I think they kind of pan back to her and it's the same kind of blank look in her face like she's trying really hard to figure it out. Like maybe they're just drawing it out longer. I don't know. But then I was thinking was she worried that that was going to be expected of us on this flight? Maybe it was like fight, flight, or freeze. Yeah, and she was like, huh, I'm not doing that. Like, what? Maybe. I didn't think it at the time, but watching it back, Mm -hmm. I was like, maybe she was thinking, wait, this happens. Is that going to be, are we expected to go in the bedroom? Yeah, especially knowing there's like cameras. Because I do know that there was one flight and I don't remember which one it was. I would think that it would have happened prior to this that she would have asked me. But there was one flight where she was like, we're not going to go like in the bedroom on here, are we? Like on the Mm -hmm. plane. And I was like, no. Yeah. But I didn't know. Yeah. Because the next thing I know, Hef would be like, okay, girl. Yeah. (laughs) Everybody in the bedroom. (laughs) And I'm like, whoops, sorry. I don't know. I do think it's so funny when you go, I'm looking for volunteers. And they pan to Hef and Keith and they're being like two old men playing a game. Completely (laughs) oblivious. I think that's so funny. (laughs) Uh, Then the interview is back in my room again with a different setup. So a totally different interview. And I talk about what a busy day we have ahead of us. And I think it's funny because they play sound alike music to the prices right like come on down music oh that's funny I didn't notice that (laughs) and I say it starts with the Statue of Liberty then an autograph signing for our magazine and press at Virgin Records and then it shows us landing and I think it's cool because there's like two separate limos waiting for Mm -hmm. us and Hef and security most of security and and staff and everything are all going straight to the hotel but Holly Kendra and I are all and and our own security are going to go sightsee and the camera crew and the camera crew yeah and we get off the plane completely ready for the day 
Yes. So it wasn't like a full night's sleep on the plane at all. I mean, we wouldn't have had time for that anyway, but it was like, so we're running on empty. Right. And we're supposed to like look good for the cameras and do press later and go out to a club late at night. So we're pulling the stamina out of our assholes. (laughs) Do you guys have a private joke about Home Depot? No, no. I think it's just because Kendra says how crazy different everything looks. And I say, yeah, I know, especially on the East Coast. And then I go, oh, look, there's a Home Depot. Oh. As if that's something weird. And they're just making it look oh. like that's the weird thing that we point out. Oh, that's funny. I didn't know if you guys had a private joke about Home Depot. No, because it's like that's everywhere, of course. Yeah. You know? um, and then you spy the Statue of Liberty. I'd wanted to go to the Statue of Liberty since my first trip to New York, but because that trip was right after 9-11, I couldn't go because they closed the Statue of Liberty down right after 9-11. And also, I mean, I was never in New York pre-9-11, but when you go into a high-rise in New York, like, you can't go up the elevator without them, like, checking your ID and doing all this stuff. Like, that's all post-9-11 stuff. Right. It was a different world. For sure. So we're taking street photos with a statue man. And we meet up with Courtney, Monica, and Pilar, who are all playmates. Monica was upcoming playmate at the time. Pilar was in town for work, but Courtney and Monica are both from Long Island. And it's cute because I think they knew each other before they were playmates. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Yeah, And we just love them. They're the sweetest girls. So we're taking photos with the street guy that looks like the Statue of Liberty. And you say, you love it. You love, I love your mask. And I say, it's, the mic catches me going, yikes. (laughs) That's so funny. (laughs) And I thought it the same thing when I was watching. I was like, yikes, that is so scary. Yeah, because it's scary looking. These people have like rubber Statue of Liberty masks. And then I was wondering why Kendra wasn't wearing one of the foam crowns. I mean, not that it's so unusual that she wouldn't want to wear that. But I was like, hey, why why didn't she get one? That's weird. But in commentary, you say that you bought your you brought yours with you from a previous trip it was the last trip when me you and crystal were contestants in the miss statue of liberty contest but then i so i must not have brought mine because i said you that say in I the commentary got, that you bought a second one you bought a new one when we were there yeah i wonder why i didn't bring mine it's probably just something we didn't coordinate or maybe it got ruined and you didn't have it i don't know yeah because i say i bought mine on the ferry mm-hmm. then we met in battery park to catch the ferry to the statue before that, do they cut back to the Howard Stern scene with Hef? Not yet. Okay. Not yet. Um, we talk about how much crazy security we had to go through to get to the statue, mm-hmm. too. Like, And you said you were wearing a dress, and they blew air up your dress, and it puffed it out. Yeah, there's a weird security thing you have to go through, and it like blows air on you. Crazy. I wonder what that's all about. I don't know. Weird. And then uh, and then it cuts to Hef and he's in the hotel room and he's doing press with Howard Stern. Hef is on the phone with Howard Stern. And can we talk about what a softball interview that was? Because this was back in the day when Howard Stern was still like a shock jock. And it was like, I would have never gone on Howard Stern back then. I would have been terrified. But he's so softball with Hef. It seems like it. Yeah, he's just like, oh, so your girls are in the magazine. They're perfect. They look great. And you know there was more questions asked and they cut it out maybe but I feel like I might have listened to that interview and it was pretty softball considering what he would ask other people 
Yeah. Because Hef is the gatekeeper. Like a lot of Playboy Playmates would go on Howard Stern back then. You know, they always wanted like the sexy people, like the porn stars and the Playmates and stuff like yeah. that. So they don't want to offend the gatekeeper. So that was like an advantage he had over us is people were going to be a lot nicer to him because he has a lot of power, because he's a man, because they know he's accomplished a lot of things. But we, as we will get to, did not get that same treatment or protection. And I also want to talk about while we're on this scene, Robin on the Howard Stern show is asking half about oh we heard you're gonna have another baby and I brought the article from my scrapbook because I wanted to read a little bit of it because I feel like over the years so many people have just tried to like gaslight me and people into thinking that I'm such a crazy fucking bitch forever like talking about wanting to be married or having kids or anything that was like the emotional side of Hef's in my relationship but I have this whole fucking article here that he did with somebody in person when I wasn't around like I'm not sitting over his shoulder telling him what to say he wouldn't have tolerated that anyway yeah and he's saying of his free will like let me read a passage so he's asked about our relationship and he said I didn't entirely see it coming half mused about Ms. Madison she's been with me now for a little over four years I think this is probably for the rest of my life this is serious He goes, I'm slowing down in my fashion, Hef said. Baby, maybe, but marriage never. Not because I don't care enough for her, but because I don't want to spoil the relationship, said Hef, who turns 80 on April 9th. Why would marriage spoil things? Why indeed? I don't know why. It has in the past. And then he says, Holly made a comment once that in her dream that five years from now, it might be just the two of us. I think that's a very real possibility. So that's from the horse's mouth. So anybody that wants to like paint me as just being fucking crazy and like I had this whole like fantasy world in my own head or like am mad because Hef wasn't giving me what I wanted. Like that was never the case. Right. So there. (laughs) How did you feel about the rumor that you were pregnant? I just thought it was kind of funny. I kind of got a kick out of it. How would you have felt if it were true? Like in general or if the rumor was out while I was actually pregnant? Yeah. Like if you were actually pregnant. I mean, things would have had to change. Like there couldn't have been like other girlfriends if I was pregnant. Because I did always want to have kids, but like within the context of monogamy, like I didn't want like other people around like if you guys want to be living on property like for fun or whatever like it's not that I didn't want like other women hanging out like playmates and stuff like as friends but I wouldn't have like had a kid with him having other girlfriends like that to me is like over the top yeah yeah in commentary you say that you wish you were pregnant to explain the gut you were sporting (laughs) (laughs) still a struggle (laughs) but I was like see we're always worried and always commenting about that kind of stuff always and I feel like we all looked amazing and we're always worried about it yeah for sure and you say in there too that you wanted to have kids at 30 but how old were you when you had kids? I was 34. And when I'm rewatching this back, I'm like, why am I being so weird in the interview? Because I'm not really telling the true story. And even in commentary, I say I was cut weird in that interview. Because it's not that I really had age as a goal because, oh, it has to be this age because that's what I want. It was more that I was scared that it would be difficult to get pregnant if I waited any longer. And I remember talking to my gynecologist at the time and I'm like, am I like, and I was 25 at the time and I was like, do I need to be worried? And he's like, oh no. He's like, in my practice, like everybody who's pregnant is at least like 35. Wow. And I was like, oh, okay. But that was like more my concern. It wasn't that I had 30 as like an arbitrary goal yeah. to be pregnant. I was just more worried about like the biological clock. 
I forgot how funny Courtney is. So we're on the ferry mm-hmm. and there's a guy who's like asleep and she's like posing all around him and doing all this photo session with him. Yeah. And then he wakes up and he's totally like sticking his arms in front of his face, totally jarring. And I was thinking that must have been really jarring because this is like before social media. So to wake up on a random ferry ride and there's all these cameras, like video cameras, and then people's like individual cameras in front of your face, that must have been really surreal. Yeah. And then he goes, what is this for? And Courtney goes, my computer. And Kendra goes, for Playboy. (laughs) And I'm like, so extra jarring. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, but think about it. You wake up and there are like movie cameras in your face. I know. And people taking your picture and stuff and this like hot girl sitting next to you. And then he, um, when he saw Courtney, he was kind of more into it though yeah totally (laughs) and then they must have obviously got him to sign a release after the fact and that reminded me of this story I heard that I'm still fascinated with to this day I heard a story about there used to be the show on the sci-fi channel which is that even still a channel I don't think so there used to be a channel called the sci-fi channel and they had a show called scare tactics where they would prank people it would be like ghost related pranks or like alien aliens and I heard a story from somebody that was like so they play this prank and obviously after the prank was done they would have to get somebody to sign the release and they said it usually went off without a hitch people thought it was funny after the fact but they said every time we did an alien related prank it was super hard if not impossible to get people to sign releases like there's something inside the human dna that makes you so scared of that shit like anytime there was an alien related prank they had issues isn't that weird yeah i always thought that was fascinating that is if anybody's out there who ever worked on the show scare tactics hit us up i want to know more So then Kendra asks, is the Statue of Liberty a real person? And I wanted to ask you, what did you think she was asking exactly when she asked that? I thought she was asking, is the Statue of Liberty, was she a real living person? Like, Like did somebody dress up like that and maybe have some kind of role in history where she got the nickname Lady Liberty or something? Yes. That's exactly what I thought based on how she asked the question. But this thing gets drawn out as a gag. Like you can say we're walking one place when she asks the question and then we're at our destination and like it turns into a thing and I assume I don't really remember this but I assume the producers are asking us to like re-ask the question because it keeps getting re-asked but Courtney asks was she was she sculpted after a real person Mm -hmm. like was a model sitting there that was the face and to me that's two completely different questions yeah I mean it's definitely two separate questions was she like a real living breathing person who had a part in history or was her face just like it wasn't even like I don't even think it's I watched a documentary on this and it wasn't even that somebody sat in for it. He just sculpted it to look like his mother. Yeah. The artist. So uh-huh. like it wasn't it wasn't even like there was an actual model for it. Mm-hmm. And they, I don't even think that there are. Uh, well, the documentary I watched, I don't even think they're 100 percent certain. Yeah. They just showed similarities between his mother and this. And they're like, it looks like he pretty much did that. Yeah. So. Interesting. But when we were there, they say he sculpted it after the mother. I do like when they put your head on the Statue of Liberty. Me too. That's so funny. Because I'm like, she needs a makeover. And then they put my head in there and I love it. It's so funny. There's a few cute little poppy moments in this episode. And we will get to more next week when we get into part two, when we meet the ladies of The View. If you want to see more of our content, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash girlsnextlevel. We're going to be talking a lot of shit on our slumber party this week. 
<laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> See you guys later. <laughs>